All right, good morning and welcome to New Life Church. Are you excited to be at New Life today? Yeah. So glad that you're here. My name's Chris, and just want to welcome everybody that's here at the Kearney campus, those that are worshiping with us in Ogallala and North Platte and joining us online. You came, you joined us for a great Sunday. Can I get everybody, no matter where you're at, if you're listening at home, if you're at the Ogallala campus, North Platte, right here at Kearney, to say yes. yes. Come on, let's practice it one more time. Say yes. yes. All right, now say, say yes. Say yes. Well, you passed the test. You passed the test. And I'm going to talk to you a little bit about what it means to say yes. And you know, we believe at New Life Church that if you're a follower of Jesus, right now today, if you you just recently started following him or you've been serving him for years, if you're a follower of Jesus, you don't attend church, you are the church. Let me say that again. You don't just attend church, you are the church. The church. And, and, and I really believe that the, the secret sauce here at New Life is that we are passionate about using whatever it is that God has given us to serve God and to serve others, to say yes to Him. We leverage everything that we have in order to serve God and serve others. I mean, we apply our heart and our hand to the place of greatest demand. We exceed the need. We go the extra mile. I mean, that's what it means to be, in part, a new lifer. And I would propose to you that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. This is what we do. We love to say yes to serving and to working uh, for others and for the Lord. So can you just say yes? Yes, yes. We're going to ask you to say yes today and over the next few weeks in a campaign that's going on. You're not going to hear about it every single week uh, from from, uh, the message, but you're going to see it on social media. You're going to hear about it. If you're in one of our lobbies, we're going to give you an opportunity to say yes. And you know, we hear things that are true, but are hard to believe. Like serving is good for you. I mean, it's good for you. One of the greatest things you can do for yourself is to serve the needs of others. And you hear something that it's hard to believe. Like, have you ever been out in in nature with a group of people and you, you come across a snake? And how many just freak out when you see a snake? One time I was, I was with some friends that are here at the Kearney campus and we were, we were training our dogs and I was walking through some high grass and all of a sudden the ground started to move. And uh, I mean, look at me, but I, w- I would have been able to, I would have been able to compete in the Olympics at the high jump, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I shot straight up in the air. My friend that's sitting over here will attest to that. Uh, but you, if you've ever been in that situation, there's people who are afraid of snakes, and you always have that person, you know, that brave heart guy that says, well, you know, they're more afraid of us than we are of it. <laughs> and some of you are like, I don't think that that is true, right? And so you hear it, but it's hard to believe. And so you might hear that serving, that one of the greatest things that you can do for yourself is to serve the needs of others, but until you actually engage that, you may not actually believe it. Well, I'm here today to try to convince you of that truth, that serving and working is a good thing, and God is drawn to it. You go back to the very beginning in Genesis chapter 1, we we find God, that God is at work. He's creating everything. He's creating the universe. He's creating the earth. He is working. 
And then he creates man, and right off the bat, he gives Adam a job to do. He gives him some work to do. And he says to manage all of creation, everything that you see, and all of the animals. And when you think about this, that God's job that he gives him is to manage all of the animals. Some of you just completely freak out when you get a brand new puppy. You know what I mean? You're like, I am just overwhelmed and stressed out caring for this one puppy. And God gives Adam this work to care for all, all of creation. He gives him a job to serve and to work. And before that, God said, he said, let us make man in our image. Let's create someone like us. Let's create someone who loves to work and to serve and to engage. And, you know, we we think about work and we overlook the fact that God gave Adam work and a job to do before sin ever entered the picture. So work is not a result of the fall of man or sin. Work is not a necessary evil. Before it all got messed up, God said, my plan is that you would work, that you would serve. In fact, as you go through the Bible, you will find that God gravitates towards people who say yes to serving, who have a heart to say yes to work. There's a man named Noah. How many, raise your hand, you've ever heard of Noah? Noah, he built an ark. God comes to him, this guy who wasn't a sailor, he had no concept of great bodies of water or even rain much uh, for that point. And God says, I want you to build this ark. He wasn't an engineer, but Noah said yes. He said yes. And I read, I read something that said that the ark could accommodate 26 of American zoos. Imagine that, 26 zoos. Now that is a lot of work right? Not only to build the ark, but to manage it once, if you read the biblical story, the rains came and the earth was flooded and he managed this ark full of living creatures. But he said yes. There's another man in the Bible, his name was Abraham, and God comes to Abraham and he says, Abraham, I want you to leave your hometown, I want you to leave everything that you know, and I want you to go somewhere. I'm not gonna, you're not going to know where you're going to go until you get there. I'm going to lead you there. I'm going to bring you to this place. And God gives him a promise, I'm going to build you into a great nation. And Abraham says, okay, God, I'll do it. I'll leave everything that I know. And so imagine this, one man sets out on this homeless journey because he says yes to God. To do what? To build a nation. To sacrifice everything that he has. Why? To serve the Lord. To build a nation. Think of the effort that it took for this guy named Abraham to say, I'm going to leave everything that I know. And I'm going to do everything that I can to position myself and my wife so that we can say yes to God and fulfill the promises of God. For my generation and for me. You see this over and over and over in the Bible that God gravitates to people who are willing to work and to say yes, to serve. There's another story in the Bible, one of my favorites and maybe your favorite, about a guy named David. David was the king of Israel, but before he was the king of Israel, he was a shepherd. And there's this great story of him facing down this giant called Goliath. Raise your hand if you've ever heard of the story of David and Goliath. And with a slingshot, he took down Goliath. Now, there's no doubt that Goliath was David's most famous battle. And some would say that it was 
his greatest battle. But when I look at the story of David facing Goliath, Goliath wasn't so much his greatest battle, but his biggest blessing. His biggest blessing. Goliath catapulted David and positioned him to take the throne of Israel to become the king. It brought him to this place of influence. It it positioned him for the, the purpose and the significance in his life as if God was saying, hey, David, take this giant down and you have no idea how big it is going to be for your life. It sounds like a great story, but I need you to know that David doesn't head out to the battle in order to fight Goliath. That wasn't his intention, his purpose, his motivation for going to war. And so how did he get to the front lines of this battle where this epic battle took place between this shepherd boy and this giant? Well, it started because he was, he was the youngest of his family. He was watching the sheep and his brothers are off at battle and there's this this sibling rivalry going on with David and his brothers where they look down upon him. Maybe it's just because he's the youngest and the youngest gets picked on, but they criticized him. But David's father asked him to take a basket of food. So your brothers are off at war. I want you to take this basket and I want you to go serve your brothers. And so David said, sure, dad, I'll, I'll go serve my brothers. I'll They don't like me, they criticize me, they put them down, but I'll do what you say, I'll obey you, and I'll go serve the needs of my brother. So David shows up on the battlefield not to fight, but to serve, to serve. And that heart to serve positions David in a place that he could take on Goliath and step into his purpose and significance. You see, one reason that we're so passionate about new, at New Life about serving is because purpose and significant are found on the path of service. You're not going to just accidentally bump into it by sitting in a pew or sitting in a seat at church. They're found on the path of service. And so when you think about the story of David, you know, sometimes we focus on the, on the slingshot in that moment and what David had to take down Goliath, his slingshot in the rocks. But it was his basket, it was David's basket, not his slingshot and his rocks, but his basket that he found on the path of service that led him to greatness and to significance. So if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, this is, this is how God works. He, he gravitates towards people who live a life that's motivated, not for self-interest, but willing to serve, willing to work, willing to engage, and not just consume You see, what it means to become a maturing believer is not just consuming, 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 and and being fed, and and, and reading this book and that book, and going to five different churches so you can hear all these different kinds of things, and just feed me, feed me, feed me. You know, you can become overweight by eating healthy food if you just keep eating enough of it. God's called us to exercise our faith, to be people that serve and give out. Amen? Are you with me today? It's how God works. He gravitates towards people and using people who are willing to say yes, yes to serve. To people who do not see things as beneath them, but as opportunities to serve. And so Jesus, the ultimate example, the ultimate example, he had this incredible work ethic, this incredible heart to serve. And so in the Gospel of Mark in chapter 1, we catch up with Jesus where He's been serving all day. He's been in the synagogues teaching and preaching, and he's just working, doing the work of the ministry. And afterwards, the Bible says that he goes to one of his disciples' house, 
houses where his disciples' mother is ill, and Jesus heals her. How many know Jesus is a good friend to have around, right? And, and so he comes home after all this, all this ministry and work, and he finds there's more work to do. Somebody's sick, and so he heals her. And then in verse 32, this, this is what happens. That evening, after all this just happened, after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. The whole town, the whole town gathered at the door. I mean, does that, how many are like me that stresses you out a little bit, right? The whole town gathered at the door. I mean, it, it is interesting today when you're, how many are like me and when your doorbell rings, you're just looking around at your kids and it's like, did you guys invite somebody over? I mean, what, what is, is Amazon delivery today, UPS, what is going on? Some of you get stressed out and But what is amazing is that Jesus was so willing to serve the needs, even after a full day of ministry, accommodating the needs of people who came to him. And if that weren't enough, after teaching and preaching in the synagogue, he comes home, he heals the disciples' mother. And all the people come and he heals and he he delivers people of evil spirits. Then look what happens next. This is very interesting. Very early in the morning while it was still dark. Jesus got up and he left the house and he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. That's significant. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, here's what they exclaimed. Everyone is looking for you. So Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I've come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. I mean, this is the God that we serve. Just when you think that he's tired, that he's worn out, that he's burned out, he's ready to take, you know, a day off. He says, I'm ready to go again. I'm ready to keep on serving. And so for for Christians who are really the definition of a Christian is a follower of Jesus, an imitator of Christ. It's very confusing when Christians refuse to live a life of service especially when they've had enough time to discover who Jesus is and let him change them from the inside out. It's very confusing when Christians refuse to live a life of service. I mean, how do you live a life that says, I want to model my life after this man named Jesus who said, I came not to be served, but to serve God himself. I came not to be served, but to serve. See, there's something really that grips your heart that captivates your life when Jesus comes into your life and changes you from the inside out. And when you start to study and you start to find out who Jesus is, that he is, he is always working, always serving. Something that changes you. So the apathetic Christian who is only a churchgoer, you are not a follower of the Jesus of the Bible. You're not living your life as a reflection of the Jesus that we find in Scripture. See, if your life is not benefiting... <laughs> Other people, you do not look like Jesus. So for me, I I can say this for myself, that that I know that I can measure the level of my selfishness by the level of my service. And I know what I'm saying right now, whether or not you're here at Carney or listening online or one of our campuses, there's there's some of you, there's got to be some of you that this is rubbing you the wrong way. 
But if, you, if that's you, if you would just consider, why is this statement and what I've just said, why is it that it offends you, and yet for someone else, it convicts or affirms them? Some of you may say, I don't know, this is, you're being harsh, it sounds a little legalistic to me. And another person says, I needed to hear that. God, Holy Spirit, I needed to hear that. What is the difference between the person who is offended and the person who is convicted? You see, I've found over and over in my life, and let me just put myself on trial, that I drift towards selfishness. Is there anybody with me on that? I drift. Every day I wake up, it seems. And I don't want this to be the case, but too often I wake up, and you know who I'm thinking about when I wake up? Me. How many are thinking about me when you wake up? Right here. I see all the hands in Ogallala. I'm thinking about me. What am I going to do for today? You know, who do I have to meet with? What's going on in my life? I, I drift towards selfishness. And so I find that there's something about meeting with God. There's something about meeting with Him and then resolving every single day that I'm committed to a life of service. That when I do that, it begins to shape my character towards the image of God. And when you do that in your life and you start your day connecting with God and you commit your life to live it for others, you'll truly find that God, who God made you to be, you'll find that when you, every day you wake up and a scripture kind of paints this picture that you crucify your flesh, your own selfish and dependent nature, you just put it to death every single day and you put others first that you become more and more like Jesus. The apostle Paul said it like this, he challenged us, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. This is a picture of what it means to be changed from the inside out and to model our lives after Jesus, to live for a cause greater than our own selfish interests. And it's challenging Because we live, we all live in this culture today that everybody wants to be first. I mean, how many of you, when you go to the store, you look for the longest line, right? And when you get to the front of the line, you you say, no, you you go ahead and go. You go ahead and go. You go ahead and go. No, we're all looking to be at the front of the line, looking for our own benefit. But when you read the Bible, and I'm joking about the line, get in the front of the line, right? But when you look at things that really matter, you look at the Bible, you find that Christianity is a race to the back of the line. Christianity is saying, you first. Take my seat. Hey, Christianity is saying, this is for you and for your benefit, right? It's how can I leverage whatever I have, whatever I have today in this moment. I'm standing before you today, imperfect, an imperfect man, but but my heart is to to say, how can I leverage the best that I have today in this moment for your benefit? to serve you. You first. It's a race to the back of the line. And so in the kingdom of God, we we need to really get this. In the kingdom of God, greatness is not determined by how high you can go, but by how low you can go. The kingdom of God is all about you first. I'm going to meet your needs. I'm going to serve that you might experience God in a greater dimension. Anytime I hear, anytime I hear somebody push back from serving, I, I think of Jesus in his final moments on this earth. 
Jesus in his final moments, he, he knows he's going to die. He, he, he doesn't have much time left. And some of you know that that song, that country song was written about Jesus. I went skydiving. I went Rocky Mountain climbing. You know that song? That was, was on Jesus' heart, right? Now, some, some of you, if you, if you knew you were going to die, you would live like you're dying, right? You would just go live it up. You would just cash it all in and go live. No, Jesus in his last moments. I'm joking, by the way. You can laugh in church. <laughs> Jesus in his last moments, he, he gets down. He takes the place of a servant. And he does this cultural thing that's weird for us. But basically, as he's washing his disciples' feet, he's taking the low place of a servant. He's serving these men. He's serving them. So sometimes, you know, in church, you can be asked to say yes to ministry. And, and there's people that say, well, say yes to serving in the nursery. I mean, do you know how gifted I am, Pastor Chris? I don't think you realize how really gifted I am. And you're asking me to serve in the nursery. Or to hold a door and smile at somebody and make them feel like, we were waiting for them. Do you really know? I have, I, do you know what degrees I have? How educated I am? And Jesus literally could have used that excuse. He could have, right? I mean, he could have said, guys, I am, I am only here on a missions trip from heaven. I'm getting ready to go home. And here I am, you know, washing these stinky grown men's feet. Do you really know who I am, guys? But I believe, I believe this. If you're a follower of Jesus, we should have this heart. If, if Jesus is above us, then nothing he did is beneath us. Amen? If Jesus is above us, then nothing that he did is beneath us. So Jesus has had a hard day's work and teaching and preaching he goes home and guess what the work's not over somebody's sick and then the whole town shows up and he ministers to them if i'm jesus and i, I i'm going to tell you if this happened to me today i'm probably sleeping in tomorrow you know what i mean I'm probably sending pastor jeff a telegram saying i have five sick days left i'm not really sick but i'm sleeping in right but look at this next part. We're going to go back, and this is crucial. It says, very early in the morning. Very early in the morning. While it was still dark. Jesus got up. He left the house. He went off to a solitary place where he did what? He prayed. You see, it's easy to live, I believe, a life of service. And they get down the road, and and start to wonder, well, where was the significance of all that? And Jesus, is te Jesus teaches us something that's crucial here, very important about serving and significance and how those two can actually go together. And I have royally messed this up too often in my life. And it's this, you have to be systematic with God if you're going to be spontaneous with people. You have to be systematic with God if you want to be spontaneous with people. He got up very early in the morning. I believe he got up very early and put it first because his mission was so very important. You see, you have to have discipline with God. You have to be disciplined in your relationship with God. And, and we all know this about everything in life. Isn't it discipline that sets people apart? 
It's discipline. I mean, all of us, even I, know what it takes to get in shape, to be healthy. It's, we know what it takes. I, it's discipline that sets people apart, right? I, all of us know what it takes to have a great marriage, right? To, to love, to be selfless, to not talk to our spouse that way. We know what it takes. We know what it takes not to be in debt, to stay out of debt. We know what it takes. It's discipline that sets every person apart. Am I not right? And so Jesus, he had this discipline. He had this systematic approach of being disciplined in his relationship with the Father. Therefore, here's the clue about serving and significance. Because of that, he was always ready for people because he was always preparing in private with the Father. You see, you can get so focused in serving and many of, you, many of you here, you serve, you serve, and you, I believe you reflect the glory of God in your serving. And here's the, here's the warning. We can get so focused on the responsibilities that everybody sees in our serving that we forego the private connection with God. And Jesus, he was such a great example of how to really truly get this right, to bring the significance in serving. And he had this heart, and I think he would, he would want to say this to us today, that serving others, not out of, serve others not out of your strengths, but out of the overflow of God's work in your life. Serve others not out of your strengths, but out of the overflow of God's work in your life. Now, let me just one caveat. I think you need to, and you can, serve in the area of your strengths. God shaped you. He's gifted you. I'm trying to serve in my life in the areas of my strengths. So you can serve in the areas of your strengths, but don't serve out of your strengths, but rather out of the overflow of God's work in your life. Serve from that well that you're filling up with God, that you're connecting with God. Why is that so important? Because, you know, you're pretty good. You are. All of you from Ogallala, North Platte, listening online, you are gifted. I mean, you have, all of us have unique talents, gifts, abilities. All of us have abilities to be patient, to be kind, to, to love. I mean, you're pretty good. And the danger is that you can serve out of your ability that's God-given. But if it's from that, and it's not rather out of the overflow of God's work in your life, you're going to be in trouble. John 15 says this, If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me. We need to stay connected to God. Out of the overflow of that, then we can bear much fruit. And I've drifted from this far too often towards doing things out of my own strengths, my own gifts, my own abilities. And here's what I found. If you do that, it will cause you to flatline. It will cause you and your heart to begin to harden. You'll lose your compassion. You will get frustrated in serving. You will be so critical of all those that you serve, you serve under, you serve over, you serve. You, you'll get this entitled mentality. How can I say that? Because I've lived it. But if you serve out of the overflow of what God has done and is doing in your life, you will find that it will result in significance and in joy and in purpose. So we have to live lives that are disciplined, that lead us to dial in to God. And Jesus, he spent this time with the Father, and that discipline made all the difference. It's so important, gang, for us to exercise our faith to serve, to serve, to let it flow out, 
as long as it's flowing out of the overflow of what God is doing, is, has done and is doing in our life. So, the challenge from Jesus to all of us today is to say yes to Him. For some of you, before you log off, if you're worshiping with us online, you have an opportunity to say yes to Jesus as your Lord and leader. If you're attending a campus, a campus pastor is going to come before you leave and give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus and to surrender your life to Him. The first and most important decision you can make is to surrender your life to Him being your Lord and your leader and allow Him to save you and rescue you from the consequences of your sin. He's also asking us to say yes to serving. And you can say yes because of guilt. You can say yes because the need is so great and I'm, I'm moved, I'm gripped with an emotional response. You can say yes because I'm standing up here as one of your pastors and telling you you need to say yes to serving. Or you can say yes because you realize you were created in the image of God. That as a follower of Jesus, you were created for good works. You were created with something to do. And that foundationally, it's to, to reflect Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate example of somebody who served served, served tirelessly. And you have to determine because if we respond because there's a need or out of guilt, you need to determine that you will live for the commands of God and not just the demands of people because the demands and the need are always going to be there. They're always going to be there. Now, God will command you, and He is for some of you today. He'll command you to serve the needs of others. But you need to know it's impossible to please everyone. It's impossible to please me to the people around you, but it is possible you can please God. So in this story, you would think that Jesus is tired, is wore out, but he wakes up and he says, let's do it again. Let's do it again. Why? Why did he do that? I've spent time in prayer. I've spent time with the Father. I've spent time filling the well. I'm ready to go again. You see, the more you allow God to make deposits in your life, the more that you're ready. This is basic economics. Let God make deposits into your life. The more that you're able to allow others to make withdrawals, the more you're able to serve other people. And we think we, think we need balance, right? We think that's such a common thing. I need balance. I need to learn to say no. I need to set up boundaries to say no to things. When what we really need a lot of times is to say yes to God, is to say yes to Him, is to put in our life the getting up early and connecting, the discipline of connecting with God, letting Him fill our tank so that we can serve out of the overflow. And when you've spent the morning with Jesus who is a friend, the Bible says, that sticks closer than a brother, then you can go away from that moment and be the friend that you need to be. Serve the needs of others. At all of our locations, today we're kicking off this campaign called Say Yes. There's displays in our lobby for you. When, when you walk out into the lobby after the service, there's displays. I'm going to encourage you, if you're not connected to a place of serving weekly and regularly on Sunday. There's places for you to, to go at these displays and find opportunities for you to serve. Can I just encourage you to say yes to serving? 
To say yes to serving, not because, not because there's a need. There is a need. But because you were created in the image of God and you have a heart to want to become like him. Find the displays, look for the opportunities, fill out and get connected to serving. Not because we need more people, but because God will change your life as you serve. We as your pastors, we, we want you to serve, not so that you can serve us, but because of what it will do in your life as you engage and you let God overflow and out to other people. Would you stand and let's pray. God, thank you that you modeled for us. You didn't just give us a command and expect us to do what you wouldn't do yourself, but you modeled it for us very, at the very beginning by coming to earth and taking on the form of a human, living the life you lived and serving tirelessly, all culminating to a moment of ultimate service of giving your life for us. You are our example and because of who you are and what you've done in our lives, we want to be people who reflect you, who our lives begin to look more and more like you. And so, God, would you first break the selfish, self-centered bondage that so many of us can get stuck in? Would you break that? Would you melt our heart, God, for the needs of others? May we see people how you see them. May we see the little kids that we can serve in kids' ministry or in youth ministry. We may see the people that come in to our church, our campus, as people to serve, to love. May we see the opportunities that we have to, to click a mouse or to, to turn, or, turn on a light or to create a video. It's not just some way to, to be connected and to, to friends, though that's part of it, but the way to serve for a purpose greater than ourselves. So God, would you, would you do your work in us as we respond to you? We want to be people that position ourselves in, with the posture of, yes, God, here I am. Send me, use me. Today, God, we choose to say yes. We choose to say yes. In Jesus' name, amen.